We thank you tonight that you're constantly with us. You're in us, you're beside us, you're in front of us, you're behind us. Times you carry us, but you're always with us. And you've promised you'll be with us to the end of the age. For eternity, we can know your presence and to live from your presence, to live from this eternal life, to have eyes and ears to see and hear and to live and demonstrate the reality of God on the earth. Fathers, we gather tonight in your name. I pray, Lord, that we would hear in your name. I pray we would see in your name. I pray we would receive the way you want us to receive, no longer trying to come into it through our own ability, but through receiving through the power of revelation. God, the power that sets the captive free, your way, God, your way, by your strength, by your work, a divine work within us, Lord, a living conviction of the truth that sets the captive aflight to live and to demonstrate the wisdom of God on the earth. And you've called it to be a body. You've called us, you give us an image of a body to function and breathe and live as a body with each part being interconnected to one another like our human body and living as a body with the functionality of a body with each person, each part playing its role. And so, Father, as we continue to go after this revealing, this reveal position, this truth, which would then align our lives to lay them down for a body, I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here to teach us. I thank you that you are our teacher, and you use the agency of man and woman to declare, to speak forth, but you are the one that teaches. And I ask you to grab my words tonight and reveal them deep in our spirit. I thank you that you're drawing us to you. I thank you that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. I thank you that you're here, waiting. You're so patient, so patient with us, looking. And so, God, I thank you that you're going to reveal. You're building great people here, building the church your way. And I just pray we would just continue to surrender to your way. It's you. You said, I am the way, the narrow way, but it leads to life. It leads to wide once you come through the narrow. And so if we're in your way, then we're in your truth. And your truth sets the captive free. For in your truth, we're in your life. And just as you were, we are. And so I thank you, Father, you've made a way for the church to live as you lived. You've made a way for us to live from the power from on high, striving according to the power that works within us. That's your way. Not me striving according to my strength, my ability. Your ability. That's your operating system, operating in me and through me. And so, Lord, tonight, I pray we would receive your word in our hearts and our minds. We ask this in accordance to your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a turnout. How cool is this? So thanks for coming.
that's oh, cool. And they still come. <laughs> that's awesome. That's right. So hopefully you've got a folder in front of you. Uh, give us a wave if you haven't got a black folder in your hands because you need one of these and you'll continue to need them as we go forward each month. So please bring them with you. Um, and so the reason we've done this is so you have a resource which you can refer back to, which you can use. Um, so uh, we're going to only go through half of it of what you've got tonight, and then next month we're going to go through the other half. And then we'll just continue to teach on these practices that leaders live out. And uh, I just want to start quickly there uh, with that very thing because I've called it specifically not leadership principles but leadership practices. So so easy just to look at a principle but never live out the principle. And so leaders practice what they preach, amen? Leaders practice what? They want other people to practice. So we're going to look at some of these things. And I just wrote these things down. I put, we are to practice a life in Christ, in him. So the life we are to practice is his life. So if you look at his life, he was the ultimate leader, wasn't he? He was the ultimate leader. And everything comes from God. So the wisdom that the so-called world thinks it has, has come from heaven. And so the people of heaven are to model what good leadership looks like because we are the one from, have the one of heaven in us, yes? And so it means that leadership, we are to practice the life in Christ. The tension, and I'm just going to read this out, is you can practice the principle but still not be in the life of Christ. So you can hear things tonight, put them in practice, but the life of Christ that Christ wants in you, you're not living from. So it's great you're putting a principle, but you need to find the person. You need to live from the person and apply then the practice. And so there's no gap between the inner you and the reality that's demonstrated for everyone to see. Because how many people know sometimes you can try and through your flesh live out something, but sooner or later you get found out if the life of Christ isn't formed in you. When the pressure comes on, when the person tries to pull in front of you down on the motorway there and squeeze in, and he's come roaring from behind and just squeeze in when everyone's waiting, you really get to see what comes out of you. I'm not saying that behavior's right, but what comes out of us? And so when you hear leadership practices, it's looking for the authentic demonstration because the life of Christ is in us. It's growing in us. And so really, the practice is just the natural outflow of the life of Christ in you. Is that cool? The goal is to come more and more into the life of Christ so we can practice a life in Christ. And you know, it doesn't matter what environment you find yourself in. You might be a father husband, wife, you might be a teacher, you might be a physician. Everything we're going to teach over this year will help you in life. So it doesn't matter whether you're playing a sports team, um, whatever it is. So the, the aim of these nights is to help you be a better follower of Christ. 
We're all called to be leaders. We're all called to be followers. We're all called to be disciples. They're interchanged and interlocked. And so my hope is that through these next 12 months and as different people speak and bring different aspects that we can grapple with, that it will influence every area of your life. And so um, the things we're going to look at tonight, if you're in business, modeling the way is essential. If you're a CEO, if you're an employee, modeling something that other employees look to, your boss looks to, because you're going to model what you say. And so by that, you're glorifying God in the demonstration of your life. So it's not that hard to glorify God. It's just to be a follower. When you love someone like Jesus loves, you're glorifying the Father because that person is receiving the love of the Father through you. When you act in integrity, you're glorifying the Father because Nick Hughes is a guy I can trust where these other people that work for me, and I'm not sure, but that guy I can count on. So you glorify the Father. So you don't have to glorify by saying anything, just by being and living, you bring glory to the Father. If you get the opportunity to share, it's amazing to be able to why you live the way you live. So there's a word that's related to leadership, and you might want to write this because none of this is in your notes yet. Um, But there's a key word that relates to leadership, and it's the word responsibility. (laughs) I don't know, but it can be the thing that none of us really want. It's responsibility because that comes with weight. The woman you put me here with, I don't want to be responsible for my action. And I don't know about you, but in a world today, everyone's running from responsibility. Everyone wants to live the way I want to live, but the consequences, nobody wants to take responsibility for the consequences that cause chaos. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't that. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. So here's the question I want to ask you because as we grow as disciples, followers, leaders, who are you responsible for? Who is your another or another's? Could be your wife. Could be your children. Could be your work colleagues. Could be a sports team. And I hope as we go through this, you can hear how Everything you hear can be applied in different contexts. Okay? So who are you responsible for? But here's the big one. Who are you responsible to? That's one. And God works in a kingdom of authority, doesn't he? And the responsible to, who's over you? Who's the one that's helping you, working with you? Who's the one that's fathering or mothering you into the fulfillment of what God has for us, firstly as a church and then as individuals. That's the one where it can get a bit sticky because that's the one where sometimes you have to have sticky conversations. And here's the question. Will you let yourself be fathered? Will you let yourself be mothered? Something I'm learning with my children is sometimes my children don't want me to father them. They want what they want. And sometimes dad has to say no because dad can see the bigger picture. Dad can see further down the pathway than the child can, so will my children let me parent them? 
And that is exactly the same. So I'll switch context now right here. Will you let people father and mother you? And will you father and mother other people? See, this is something the church has lost. It's called discipleship. Because we have this individual thing that we want to reach out and do our own thing. And so sometimes someone wants to come and help us get to the place we're going. And they may have greater sight, but we say no. So here's what comes with leadership. Responsibility. Responsibility for and to. So I want you to think about that as we go through this year um, as a community. But also all these things apply. If you're a boss, you're responsible for. But do you have someone who you're responsible to? Do you have someone helping you? Do you have someone giving you wisdom? Parenting. Have you have someone that you go to to help in parenting? So all these things, if you're a sports coach, so there's all these things that come out of this. So in your notes, the purpose, so the purpose of these gatherings, okay, this is the purpose of why we come together, is to raise the culture and the climate of leadership in this family. So those are the words God gave me. So Greg, I want you to create greater leadership environments to raise the culture and the climate of leaders because leaders take responsibility. Leaders take on responsibility. I'll take that. I'm going to run with that. I'm going to own that. Ownership's massive. He gave me these words start this year. Guests, friends, sons. So are you a guest? Maybe just turn your phones off if you see any. Are you a guest, a friend, or a son? So these are questions as we go forward because leaders carry, leaders carry weight, leaders carry responsibility. And in every facet of life, leaders will carry. And I know that God is wanting us as a family to be carrying more than what we currently are. And so the purpose of these gatherings is to help us grow this family, which then as the family grows here, because we are the demonstration as we go into our workplaces, into our schools, into our hospitals, into our governments, into life, into our communities, then we'll have a greater impact and influence because of what's happening, which is a witness to people, isn't it? So if they look at a particular people and go, man, you guys are a little bit different from the average person. Who are you? And why do you live the way you live? So it becomes a witness at the same time to open doors to share the person that we know, which ultimately glorifies God again. So all of our lives as leaders, the main purpose is to glorify the Father. That's the purpose of your life. It wasn't to be an accountant. It wasn't to be a football player. It was to glorify God. And so that becomes a challenge. Does my life bring him glory? Do I live in a way that brings him glory? Do other people look 
can see the Father through me. Greg, I'm just this nobody. No, no, you're not. You've been called, chosen, set apart for a very peculiar task and function. Called to be the people of God. So these are the things I want to stir up within us. And you notes again, spiritual leadership is not an occupation. It is a calling. Spiritual leadership is not an occupation. It is a calling. See, we say things like this, oh, I'm not a born leader. Now, the Bible says there is a leadership gift, and there are gifts that build the church. But ultimately, as I've said, we're all called to be leaders in some capacity. If you're a parent, you're a leader. If you're teaching someone how to tie their shoes, you're a leader because you're influencing them. And so we have to break certain mindsets that says, oh, those personality types, those are the leaders. I'm not a leader because I, you know, I'm, I'm this personality type, whatever that all means, you know, which is not much. Because we have to live beyond that culture and come to the kingdom culture where God looks and from God's perspective, he says, I've called all of you for a particular purpose. I want to put responsibility in your hands. I've graced you. I've empowered you to live a type of life that brings me glory. So it's not an occupation. It's a calling. Can you hear the call of the Father? And will you respond and take on the responsibility of that call? But what I love about Jesus is it's not a heavy call. It's light. It's easy. Okay. Ephesians 4.1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So you have been called. It's not, am I called? It's you have been called. So is this church and are we as individuals walking a manner of the calling to which we have been called? And that's why we need to know what we've been called for. What have we been called out of and what have we been called for? Christian business people, physicians, educators, athletes, politicians, salespeople, truck drivers, cleaners, parents, grandparents, all ought to be spiritual leaders. Let's get some water. Thank you. <laughs> Help me because I will. Okay, I'll go back for that. That's awesome. See, there's the body helping each other out right there. So if we all got that spiritual leaders bit, okay, so jump back. We have all been called. by God, to bring glory to his name. In who we are and how we live. So often we can miss the who we are. So we've been called to bring glory in 
who we are and how we live. So people are watching us all the time. And I don't mean just, I mean, in work, people watch you. How, how, how do they respond to the boss? Are they taking shortcuts? Do they always leave early and start late? Are they never there on time? See, none of that brings glory to the Father because that's how the world is. That's how the world behaves, always trying to do the bare minimum but expecting the most pay. But what about going beyond what's required and be someone that models something else because you are of someone else? Do you know what I mean? We want to raise the bar, the climate. I love that word, the climate, but it's here. The climate is here and here. The culture is here and here. And I can't raise me. The Father has to do it. And that's what we were talking about Sunday. So this is where some of the things get a bit tense because we're going to go on a journey now and try and improve ourselves. No. No. Seek him. Allow him to reveal him himself in you and your life will start to look different. Don't try and fix yourself. Now, there are certain practices you can learn. I'm not saying don't learn that, but ultimately it's a divine outworking within you that enables you to live this out consistently, not try and modify your behavior for a week, and all of a sudden you've gone back to living the way you always lived. I'm going to try this. I'm good for a week, and then I'm back to my old tricks. So God wants to do a work in us all that lasts a lifetime, amen? So let's um, go underneath Ephesians. No, we've done that. Yeah, on the next, next line. God is looking for servants who will lead people with the nature, character, and wisdom of Jesus Christ. God is looking for servants who will lead people with the nature, character, and wisdom of Jesus Christ. So once again, that person, if they're married, will influence in their relationship, whether male or female, their children, in their community, in their neighborhood, in their workplaces, in the supermarket, in the garage when they're filling up. That influence will just leak. God will speak and will move in accordance to his words. In Matthew 20, 25 to 28, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. Say that, it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, followers of Christ don't lord things over people. They come underneath people and lift them up. It's a different leadership approach. People can manipulate with their leadership gift. People can manipulate with principles 
to manipulate the situation to suit themselves. So I'm going to do A, B, C for my own glory. So I'm going to be nice to you because ultimately I've got an agenda and I want you to be nice, so I'm going to do something for my own glory. But that's not how followers, that's not how leaders of Christ, we don't lord it over people, we come underneath people and serve. Because the one that we follow did not come to serve, but to be served. No, did not come to serve. He came to lay his life down and serve. I heard that and I went, that's not right. (laughs) That's right. Who's listening? It's good. Hence, we need to know Christ if we're going to live this out. Can you see my first point? We're going to live and serve like Christ, you need to know Christ and be knowing Christ and eating Christ to be able to live that style of leadership out. Because one, it's not the norm, and two, it repels your flesh that sometimes wants to be served. Anyway, so six essential practices of leadership. So we're going to get three tonight, hopefully. First one, model the way. This is massive. Model the way. We have been given the greatest example in the person called Jesus. So just study his life. Have a look at his life in the Gospels, and you'll get to see the pattern of his leadership. If you want to be the greatest leader, study the greatest leader, and then ask the greatest leader to fill you with his power that you can live as the greatest leader lived. So model the way called to be servant leaders. Servant leaders serve others. I love the passage, 1 John 3.16. says that we are to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. Right there. Don't you love John 3.16? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, what, to give his life, to lay it down. So 1 John 3.16 is you'll know them by their love for one another, but they lay their lives down for one another. So right there you see this practice of modeling something. Am I someone who lays my life down for you? Or am I expecting you to lay your life down for me first? Are you someone that's laying your life down for the purposes of heaven? Or are you trying to find your identity and your purpose in you? Because you'll never find it in you. Because you've been created and called to find it in him. And the only purpose, the true purpose to life is, I've said, is to glorify the Father and to do the Father's will. That is what brings us ultimate completeness. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being married. I am married. And everything that goes with marriage and children, it's awesome. Having a home, it's awesome. Having holidays, just bought a new car. First time I've ever had a brand new car. Turns up on Friday. Fantastic. But it doesn't define me. It's not my identity. It's not my purpose. Let it go tomorrow. We ask, hold it in your hand. So who are we laying our lives down for? And why? Because you can lay your life down, but if it's not for him, you may as well have started. You're just a gong. So we've got to model something. We have to know him to model it his way. Is that clear? So here's a question. Would you follow you? And I've asked this before. 
would you actually follow you? <laughs> Danny said if he's had a shower. <laughs> it's an interesting question, isn't it? Would you follow you? <laughs> now, Paul walked in such a humility and a knowledge of God, he was and able to say, and God let him write it, who said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The man was so confident in his relationship and his knowledge with God because he'd received. He didn't try and learn God, he received God and continued to that he was able to say these words, which either a complete arrogance or complete humility. Now, if they're in the Bible, they must be humility because God let him write it in his book. And then he says this, and this is what scares the poo out of me. (laughs) Greg, look at my life and start imitating how I lived, and you start looking at Paul's life, and it's like, whoa. For the love of God controls me, for I no longer live, but I live for the one that saved me. Man, I live by faith. I no longer live in my flesh. Man, you're calling me to model this? Mm Mm-hmm. Through my power, through my anointing, through my grace, through my ability. Not yours. You can't model that under your ability. All under mine. It's fully possible to model that in Christ. Powerful, eh? Look at Hebrews, sorry, no, are we becoming? Here's another question. Are we becoming the type of person and living the kind of life that others want to imitate? Now, I pray with everything we talk about, you would hear it through the lens of faith, not fear. I pray that this would inspire inspire you, not make you feel insecure. I pray that you wouldn't look at what's being said and it's going to be said and go and see the magnitude of it and go, oh, what's the point? I pray you would hear through the lens of faith, hear through the lens of the kingdom, hear through the lens of sonship, not slave, and go, wow, that's huge, but I'm going for it with you. I'm going to position myself in humility, weakness of spirit, because I know all things are possible in you. So I'm not going to let my flesh, I'm not going to let my past, I'm not going to let what other people say, I'm not going to let my humanity dictate and control whether I'm going to live this out. I don't believe in that, my ability. I believe in your ability to do the work. Is that clear? Because I get the magnitude of what we're preaching here. I get the magnitude of some of these things. And so I understand the power of it to repel if it's heard through the wrong lens. But if it's captured from the spirit lens, it'll inspire us. It'll change us. It'll grab hold of us and propel us into his presence. So I pray that's how you hear. And if you don't or you want to have ask questions, please dialogue with me with the elders about what you're hearing. Because I'd hate you to walk out of here or even leave this community under a false assumption thinking it's the truth. Is that cool? Um, so Hebrews 13, 7, 
Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Do people look at our lives and say, that's a life worth imitating? Wherever you are, do your bosses look at you and go, yeah, I might be the CEO of this place, but you have something that I don't. Does the principal of a school look at you and you're the caretaker? Do the students look at you? Do those you work with look at you? Because you're imitating something of Christ. Because you know you're a follower, leader, disciple of the leader of all leaders. And because you're eating him and drinking him, you're able to model him. It's pretty big, isn't it? It's quite a bit different from just, oh, you know, who's along Sunday? Do a bit of this, do a bit of that, add Jesus on. Now, it's, this is an all message. You know? He wants your all. Maybe write that down. He wants my all, all the time. Simnor, I want your all. Okay, under that scripture, we must model what is right and not just teach what is right. Parenting's a great one for finding out, eh? <laughs> I remember once, man, it was so bad. I remember, I remember saying this thing in the car, and um, the kids were there, and um, I'd sort of forgotten about it. And then we were at the shoe warehouse, and Danielle was taking a little time. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> It's only five minutes. But Lily came out with this statement, and I just snapped round and I said, Hey, that's not how you speak to your mum. That's not. It was something to do with she was a bit frustrated over something, and I was like ripping into it. And then Danielle looks at me and says, But that's what you say. And I was like, No, I don't. No, I don't. And then I just hit conviction. Boom. And so I ripped, you know, I was ripping into Lily, and Lily's crying. I'm like, "Yes, that was me, wasn't it? I did say that. That's where she learned that." So I had to apologise to my wife, apologise to my daughter. So it's not just about teaching what's right; it's living what's right. And once again, we're all under that microscope, and that's the beauty. And yes, there's grace, and yes, there's love. Yes, there's forgiveness, but there's also discipline and there's the challenge of, of really, truly living that way. Um, so on the next line, um, powerful leadership emerges when one's life matches the message. Powerful leadership emerges when one's life matches the message. And once again, this is not just in leadership positions. This is in day-to-day life. It's in the simple and the practical. I find that things are really won and lost. Not so much in the, in the positional stuff. Because what you are 
behind is what you are really in the light. And so let's just be a family that enter into these practices. And as a whole, we will grow as a family, a healthy family, a restored family, a family that's coming more and more into his ways, which means we have his life, which means the light on the hill is brighter than it was last year because the people are bright. Um, as leaders, we teach what we know, but we reproduce what we are. As leaders, we teach what we know, but we reproduce what we are. Seed produces after its own kind, doesn't it? And we know Genesis 22.8, which talks about seed time and harvest. You plant seeds, there's a, there's a time, and then there's a harvest of what was planted. So you and I are the seed of sonship. So whenever you committed your life, received the Holy Spirit, were born again, you received the seed of sonship. So once again, if you want to look at the perfect model, it's the son. As he was, we are. So you're of the same seed. So as the seed grows, then you reflect the one who is of the seed. Press on to maturity. Leave behind things like baptism, laying on of hands, and grow like a tree that is by the riverside receiving the water from the tree of life. So there's a mature church full of leaders, full of fathers that father, husband, full of mothers that mother, full of children that are growing in the ways of God. It's a body. It's not parts missing, limping, with a whole lot of other people trying to make up the slack. It's a whole body reflecting the head of the body because of the maturity of the body. We have been called for much. I just don't know if we know what we've been called for. And that's why he wants to open our eyes to see the kingdom that you and I would be apprehended by the sight that already is. Because he tells you it's already written. And what we are to do is to no longer try to make things happen. We're supposed to be seeing what already is, reach into that reality and pull it into now. Did you hear what I said? You and I are to see what's invisible and reach into it and pull it because it's already written. There's nothing more that needs to be done. To tell us that it is finished. So I pull what's already done out of the invisible into the visible. So from heaven to earth, it enters me. So now I live what I've just seen and received, which is here. We're still trying to make what's already happened happen. See, it's back to front. That's why we struggle, because you're trying to make something happen that already has happened. The mind needs to be renewed to the reality that Jesus said it's finished. 
So the testimony of Jesus is the spirit that sits behind prophecy. What Jesus has done already is the spirit that sits behind what you think's future. It's now. Some of your minds are going, <laughs> I'll let that one sit. Have a listen to it again. We're going to tweak more on this. Okay. Um, leadership is just as much about being the right person and as much as doing the right thing. Okay? We will sow what we reap. So that's a principle. So if we sow into this, if we sow the good seed, if we sow what he's asking us to sow, if we position ourselves, we will reap a harvest. So we will grow as leaders if we sow good seed. Okay? We place ourselves, if we enter into his operating system, you will receive the, the fruit of it. That's the promise. So three areas that a leader works on in relation to modeling the way. Work on yourself before you work on others. Work on yourself or allow him to work on yourself before you work on others. Work on yourself more than you work on others. It's always that guy, Ben. He's the problem. He just gets under my skin all the time. No, he's not the problem. You're the problem. He may be a problem, but your approach is a, prob- is a problematic approach. Everything is an opportunity for growth. That's what I'm learning more and more about God. You want to like justified away by about someone else, but he goes, no, 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 no. Look at your response. Maybe if you change your response, things might be different. Maybe Ben, his whole life has just heard he's a loser, he's nothing, he's no good. Maybe he didn't have a role model. People do things because of things that have happened to them. And so, once again, are we able to model this? Father, forgive Ben, but he does not know what he's doing. And because I'm in him, in Christ, I can see that. So I don't take any offense at Ben's actions towards me. I love on Ben, and I model a different spirit, a different leadership, maybe than my boss, who's secretly planning how to get rid of Ben. It's a cool way. So here we go, last one. Do what is right, don't just teach what is right. Do what is right. Don't just teach what is right. So that's the first one, modeling the way. There's heaps more you can say on that, but let's give you a little snippet. The second one, inspire a shared purpose. The second practice of a leader, great leader, and look, there's heaps of these practices, so don't just think there's six. So if you're in a role of leadership and you can define purpose of your organization, church, your family, your own life, inspire a shared purpose. To inspire a shared purpose, the leader must know believe and be devoted to living out the purpose of their God, 
their organization, their family. So if you're leading a company or a business or a school, whatever, have you inspired a shared purpose? Or is it just your purpose? Do the people you're working with know why they're doing what they're doing? And not just for the sake of earning money. Because that's not really a purpose. It doesn't really motivate the heart. People actually don't really work for money. They think they do, but they don't. But when we think we, we buy things on money, we don't. So there's something deeper. And so what is our shared purpose here? So how committed and devoted are we as leaders to the shared purpose that we have for a family of knowing him, loving others, walking together? You can have a shared purpose for your family. We've got values that sit on a window near the dinner table, and this is sort of the Simnor family values. This is our purpose as a family. And so it becomes something that the children look towards, becomes something that we want to live out, and it's opposite to the world stuff. So if you think about it, if you are responsible for creating a purpose, and you might be starting a new job, and you might be starting a new job in six months and you don't know yet, and maybe you're going to be responsible for creating a purpose for your business, then I'd encourage you to bring other people into helping you shape that purpose because when people have ownership or when people feel they're creating something, they grab ownership. And that's what we did for our purpose here. We grabbed a number of people, dialogue, discussed, grappled with, even over wording, in the hope that as people come, people would grab hold of what is the purpose. And we're going to look at a clip, not just now, but very soon, around why. A lot of people know what. A lot of people know how. They don't really know why. So why are you part of this family? Great coffee? Great people? God's led me? Don't know? Because my mate comes here. And what does that look like being outworked as far as being devoted to it? Is it an add-on? Or is it what you're laying your life down for? Because he's building something very powerful prophetically of a body that ministers as a body. A leader understands that people support what they help to form, create, and shape. A leader understands that people support what they help to form, create, and shape. A leader constantly communicates the shared purpose.
and the why behind the shared purpose. Because the leader knows it's the understanding of the why that motivates those they lead. A leader constantly communicates the shared purpose and the why behind the shared purpose because the leader knows it's the understanding of the why that motivates those they lead. Followers or employees can tend to lose sight of the why and be consumed in the what and the how. Hence, it's the leader's role to constantly remind the people of the why They do what they do. So followers or employees can tend to lose sight of the why and be consumed in the what and the how. Hence, it's the leader's role to constantly remind the people of the why they do what they do. So if you're in leadership position here, how often are you reminding the people you're leading why we do what we do and how that fits into the macro purpose of God? Because that's what's going to create motivation. That's what's going to create life. It's the why. The why. Why do we do what we do? Because we're in love. Because of the relationship. Because of what we're being called to. Because God's building a church that represents himself on the earth. He wants us to reflect his glory. The manifestation of God would come through the church. He's looking for an absolute demonstration of himself on the planet now and always has been and he wants you to be part of it he wants you to play your role to bring him glory in a body and he's loved you he's died he's rose again for that to be a reality does that excite you that you've been chosen and called for an eternal reality that would last forever that you could reign with christ co-heir with christ now in the future Marry Christ, be that close to him in the future. You were bought with a price. That's why I'm on the door handing out brochures. Oh, I just thought it was to say hi and shake a hand. No. We've got to understand the why, the macro, and then align our lives to that. So much bigger. So much bigger. And it's the same in any business, any organization. So I'm just going right, to read this out and we'll show you this clip, which is real cool. Um, the what we do and how we achieve the shared process, process are always defined by the what. The what we do and how we do what we do, or how we achieve the shared process, are always defined by why we do it. And I just want to watch a clip from TED Talk, which is a guy who's talking about the importance of the why. 
And so just goes for five minutes. And obviously that's in a in a product style of you know thing that he's talking about there, but the um thank you. The why in which why we do what we do. Yeah. Are we just serving on a door playing some music? Or is why I do connected to the reality of him? And am I able to communicate that? Why do you lay your life down? That's wacky. Why would you put yourself second? And that's the power of being able to share that with people. Because it's so different. It's like, man. So, number third is challenge the process. This is the last practice. That leaders, we need to challenge the process. A leader must have the confidence to ask why certain things are done a certain way. So as leaders, we must have the confidence to ask why certain things are done a certain way. A leader must also be prepared to be asked why certain things are done a certain way. So it's dual, isn't it? Some people don't want to ask why, but understanding is really important. Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't want to appear like I'm, I'm going against them or I don't want to appear like I, I'm going you know, in the opposite way. And, and let's be honest, in some leadership, that's condoned as well and it's seen as don't ask questions, just do. Okay. But at the same time, as a leader, you have to be able to, if you're going to expect that, you've got to expect it coming the other way. So you've got to be open for people asking you why you do do what you do. Help me understand. Help me um, commit to and devote to what this is. Yeah? Um, but here's the key, okay, because there is a way in which it's done. So there is a healthy way in which you challenge the process and a destructive way. So if me personally, I, I invite questions. I like questions because I know it's part of the process of understanding and commitment. Um, but there is a healthy way and a destructive way. So if you're in your workplace, there's a healthy way to ask, challenge the process, and there's a destructive way to do it. And people will be able to pick up very quickly which way, what way you're coming from. Okay. So we can challenge the process uh, hold on, where am I up to? Oh, yeah. We can challenge the process from a posture of humility or a posture of pride. See, the awesome thing about being able to do this and being a leader that enables other people to do it is the person could have a better way. They could actually have a more productive way. And everyone's missing out because you're afraid to either challenge the process or you're afraid to be challenged. And so that's really important, especially in every environment. 
Do you understand how God builds, Greg? Well, I think so. Are you open to have your process challenged? Are you open to hear another way, maybe? Not saying believe it, but are you open to hear another way? Are you open to learn? Are you teachable? Can I ask those questions or am I going to be slammed and shut down? And can I ask those questions as well? Will I ask them? Okay, so here's a posture of humility seeks to understand the reason why a particular task or function is done a certain way. So a posture of humility seeks to understand the reason why a particular task or function is done a certain way, while a posture of pride seeks to prove the reasoning wrong because it disagrees with the reasoning and thinks its way is better. Now, it may be better. A person may have more insight than you, and you may have more insight than another person, but the way in which you approach it is critical. And so in our context, yeah, it could be absolutely the truth, could be absolutely how God does something, but how we go about it is just as important as the truth you're bringing. In fact, it's more important because you can cause people to stumble, you can propel them away if you come with a posture of pride, but if you come with a posture of love and humility to share, then you have more opportunity to be able to share with a brother or sister. So if you take that into the workplace as well, your idea might be amazing for the company, but the way you go about it, your approach, is critical because why? Because you're modeling something. You're demonstrating something. You're being like someone. His name is Jesus. And so all these things are interlinked. All these principles are heavily interlinked. Um, We challenge the process through the use of open-ended questions and closed questions. So we challenge the process through the use of open-ended questions, and closed questions. And I've given you examples, just four questions there in the notes. Could you please explain why we do the things, why we do things the way we do them? That's cool. Kids are always asking why, eh? They know it instinctively. Why? Why? Why not? Why? Why? And there's the odd time when you go, because Dad said. You pull that card now and again because of the maturity level of the child. But remember, most of them are going to be dealing with adults. And so that card doesn't necessarily go down too well with an adult sometimes because I'm the boss and I said. But sometimes that is God, isn't it? Just do it, Greg. Why? Just do it because I'm the boss and you're not, Greg. I'm God and you're not. So, but, you know, 99.9, could you please explain to me why we do the things the way we do it here? Why is it we do it that way? Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Another question could be this. How is this working out for you? So in the way we do it here at Apple, 
are we seeing the fruit of what we're wanting to see? Okay. What are we learning from doing it this way? So all these are open-ended questions that create conversation and discussion. And they have a, they have a, a heart behind them or a humility behind them. You're seeking to learn, seeking to understand. You're not seeking to pull down or shift or change. You're coming with a heart of learning, which will be received in that way. And then just, I think it's a closed question. Would you say we are getting the results we are looking for from doing it this current way? Yes, we are. No, we aren't. Have you got some thoughts of how we could do it better? Ah, the door gets opened. You walk in. So approach is massive. Humility, pride in every context. In a marriage, approach is important. Timing is important. Tone is important. <laughs> in my case, how many words you use is very important. <laughs> Keep it succinct. Keep it short and keep it to the point. You've got to understand the why, baby. You've got to understand why we get to this point. Come with me on a journey and we'll arrive here, round about this, and where'd you go? Where'd you go? <laughs> You're laughing at <laughs> It's because you can all relate, eh? <laughs> Very good. So we're going to end it there from filling in blanks. What I'd love to do, just where you are, is I've got three questions that um, I'm not sure how they're going to be handed out to you. And just for the next, like, 20 minutes, if we can, is just have discussion around each of those three things and just enter in and pick someone in the group to ask the question and then just have an open dialogue um, in relation to that and encourage one another, share what you may have heard, and then we'll wrap it up at about maybe 20 to, 20 to 9. That would be great.